0: Welcome to Life Church Birmingham. We are glad you have listened today. We know God has a plan and purpose for your life, and want to help you be successful in Jesus Christ. We know you will receive a message of hope and encouragement. Well, if you are if you are a uh, 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 student of the Word and a good note taker, you will recognize some of the things that we'll say today from earlier in the year. February 5th, exactly, February 5th, exactly, so uh, this week, uh, I was stirred in my heart about some things, and I, and I felt the Lord kind of changed directions that we would not finish out Jude this week, maybe we'll come to it uh, later, but I felt the Lord change directions this week, and, um, and, and so I've I got this, I went back and started reflecting on um, what we started the year with, and What we um what we set out to do, stay. No? Is he gonna stay? (coughs) Bad plaque, bad plaque. (coughs) He didn't stay. Maybe if we face it this way, he'll stay. Well, I don't want to I don't want to ruin all the fun at the beginning. Just see it later. Um so those of you, you, you know that the theme this year has, is, is everybody. The theme this year is everybody. And our, our key scripture, you see the graphics everywhere, the big sign out front. And it's on the walls in the hallway and above the fountain in the bathrooms. And we've had a big campaign to, to, to reach people in the community and reach people with missions. And our key scripture is Matthew 22.9. We're going to read that. And here's what it says. This is the master himself, Jesus. He said, go therefore into the main streets. And invite everyone. I say everybody. Invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. So there's Jesus. The great uh, commander in chief. The great high priest. Saying listen. I want everyone to come. I want everyone to come. And he sends the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Empowers the church. And tells them to move out with authority. Now, I remember a time. When I was given great authority. Um, for those of you who don't know. At a young age, I had a career in law enforcement. Well, actually, I was a fifth grade school patrolman, which is pretty much the same thing as a career in law enforcement. And I qualified to be a school patrol. And so I remember one assignment I was given, and the assignment was that I got got so excited because I got a post that was a little, it was a couple blocks away from the school. And because of that, not only did I get out 10 minutes early, I got out 20 minutes early to compensate me for the travel inconvenience. So 20 minutes as a school patrolman. Uh, of course I wore my white shirt and white poly cotton blend pants, sneakers, the orange uh, sash of authority and the helmet. The helmet, the orange helmet. You get a flag with the orange things on the end of the stick and it is a real position of authority I went out to the bike rack, got my 21-inch Schwinn, unlocked it, put the flag on the handlebars and rode to the corner of Heidi and Heath there in Arlington, Jacksonville, Florida. Towards the end of my shift, after successfully running my beat, we're about to uh, uh, commence for the day and wave our flags for the ceremonial flag off. And head back to Fort Caroline Elementary headquarters for reporting and debrief, debriefing. Well, about that time, I walks a girl. Now, I knew her. She had—I'd seen her in the hallway, and I just have to confess to you, she was kind of cute. But I was on duty, and I would not—I would not let the youthful beauty of this fifth-grade girl distract me from my sworn duties. To serve and protect that community. So as I held my flag in my hand. If I held it back. Everyone was supposed to stop. On the sidewalk behind me. If I extended the scepter of power. They could safely cross legally. And go to the other side of the street. So I held my staff of authority. By my side indicating. All behind me must come to a stop until proper orders were given to legally cross the road. I looked at her. She looked at me. We made eye contact. Once again, I suppressed my feelings of awe and wonder of this 10th grade, excuse me, 10-year-old little beauty. And for a brief moment in time, something happened. I looked at her. And she bolted, she bolted, crossed the road illegally, breaking the law. And I did what every fifth grade school patrolman would have done. Listen, I was just doing my job. I don't need any awards. I was just doing my job. Any one of you would have done the same thing. I threw down my flag, grabbed my swim bicycle, and began a hot pursuit. I never lost visual contact with the defendant, first house, second house, third house, I was gaining ground, I was gaining ground. Now I'm closing in on the suspect. White female, approximately 5'4", skinny build, long dark hair, wearing shorts, sneakers, and a light colored top. Last seen at the intersection of Heidi and Heath, fleeing the scene of the crime on her bicycle. By the fourth house, I caught her. She ditches her bike, flees on foot, between two ha- initiated hot junk from my 21-inch patrol car. <laughs> initiated hot pursuit. She reaches the fence, realizes she has nowhere to go from Johnny Law. She drops to the ground. I immediately run up on her, reach in my back pocket, and grab my white school patrol written statement journal, my number two pencil, and stand victoriously over the suspect being apprehended. She turns to me and says, So I guess you're gonna report me, aren't you? I said, You better believe it. Give me your name and homeroom teacher. I'm definitely gonna report you. Do not question my authority. Wrote her name down and reported her to school officials. I'm just doing my job. I don't need the applause. I don't need the awards. I'm just doing my job, man. i had been given authority, and I was exercising that authority. And for those of you who are wondering, that is a 100% true story. <laughs> it is true. God has commissioned the church to move in authority. He's commissioned us to move in authority. 2 Kings chapter 7, here we go, verse 1 and 2. Elisha says this. He replies, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a siah of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two sias of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Let's pray. Father, help us. You're so good to us. You're full of grace and mercy. You're available to us during our time of need. And Lord, we call it to you and ask that you would speak to us by your word. That what happens in this house today, online and in person, God would bring victory, would bring victory, would bring victory, and darkness would be defeated and the kingdom would be advanced. Show yourself strong through your people in Jesus' name. Amen. There's four key players in the story. Number one is Elisha. Number two are four lepers. They had leprosy. Four men have leprosy. There's a king and his officer. We'll count them as one. So that's three. The fourth is the Arameans, a group of people. They had seized the city. They had surrounded the city. And they were a, a, a tactic of warfare just They cut off water supply and food supply and just waiting for them to die. That was their military tactic. I want you to write down a few things. First one is this. Faith moves the hand of God. It is faith that moves the hand of God. Faith is the commodity of heaven. Faith is what opens the doors. There are times that Jesus wanted to go to places and perform miracles and he said, I can't go there. I can't go there. There's not enough faith. And he bypasses. It is faith that activates things. It is faith That is the commodity of heaven that moves things. So God's people were in a cycle. They were in a cycle of rebellion, punishment, pain, repentance. God's forgiveness. Renewal. Then stagnation and rebellion once again. Cycle after cycle. You can look through the Old Testament and see it. And here they are again. In a cycle. It continued over and over and over again. Now... We find them, in 2 Kings 7, in the process of punishment and pain. They had rebelled, and they were eating the fruit of their rebellion. The city was surrounded by their enemies. All the supplies had been cut off. The Arameans had camped outside the city, and just waiting for the Israelites to die or give up, so they could take the city. So Elijah prophesies and says, hey, this time tomorrow, now, let me just translate that. Inflation was through the roof. People were killing one another for food. They were, ac- they were actually cannibalizing their own children. Uh, 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 um, desperate, had already come and gone. This was next level stuff. So, Elijah prophesied He said, hey, this time tomorrow, You can get a deal on bread. You're going to be able to go down to the store and for a few bucks get a combo meal. (laughs) And uh, a sister of the king laughed and said, oh really? I'm paraphrasing. He said, oh yeah, really. But because of your lack of faith, you will see it, but you won't receive it. So the king is upset. He begins to blame Elisha for the siege. Now if you look back, in, in Elisha's history, you see that he has a proven track record. Look in the previous chapter of what God did through him. He has a proven track record. The king blames Elisha for the siege. In the scene, Elisha is at his house meeting with city officials. And, they're, and we don't know all that they're saying, but he's saying, look, I realize the king is after me. So I want you to bolt that door before they get here. And just before they could bolt the door... The king's assistant runs in under orders to kill the man of God. But for some reason, he stops. He hesitates. He, he doesn't follow through. And Elijah says to him, look, the, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, see, a of finest flour will sell for a shekel. Two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. the king's assistant comes to the false conclusion that the man of God is wrong and that he's the source of the problem. So the king reckons that this whole mess is, is because of God. Elijah's God's man, so therefore, let's just, what, what use is anymore? He needed a scapegoat, so let's take out Elijah and blame him for this whole thing. The man of God prophesies, hey, this thing's about to turn around. This, it, it might look, listen, it might look like one thing today, but tomorrow something's going to happen. Tomorrow it's going to change. It might look like death and destruction and pain and torment now, but I'm telling you, God has a new day. And when that new day comes, things are going to turn around. It might look like you are out of options. In the natural, it seems like a lose-lose situation. How many have ever been there? (laughs) Little did they know that the answer was already on the way. The answer was God's help was already on the way. But the messenger didn't believe him. The king didn't believe him. He says, you'll see it with your own eyes. You will watch it happen but you will not eat any of it. Hey, you're going you're to see it? It'll happen for other people, but it won't happen for you. You'll see it around you, but you won't be able to participate in it. Listen, faith unlocks the door. Faith unlocks the door. Faith is a commodity of heaven. It, it, God responds to faithful obedience. He's waiting for somebody to move out in faith. It's the... It's what moves, Hebrews 11 tells us this, in in verse six, says this, without faith, say it, it is what? It's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. So the king and the king's people had this lack of faith that caused them to miss what God was doing. He had gotten so bitter, so cynical, so jaded, uh, so blinded by his current circumstances that when help was on the way, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't receive it. He, He didn't see it. He doubted the power of God. Didn't think God could do it. He doubted the creativity of God. Well, I've never seen it happen like this, so I don't think it's going to be able to happen. He doubted the messenger of God. Therefore, he missed out on what God had. Unbelief questions the truthfulness of God's promises. Is that what the serpent says to Eve? Did, did God really say that? You, you sure about that? Hey, Wait a minute. Eve, I think you may have missed that. Did God really say that? Unbelief says this is a new thing, therefore it can't be true. Unbelief says this is a sudden thing, therefore it can't be true. Unbelief says there's no way this thing can be accomplished. Unbelief says there's only one way God can work, And even if God does do something, it won't be enough. Unbelief is never satisfied. Hebrews 11.1 goes on to say, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. Your translation might say evidence of things not seen. It is the substance of things not seen. It, It is the assurance of what is hoped for. It's evidence. So it's assurance and it's evidence it's substance of things not seen from second kings we can gather this the central feature of faith is confidence or trust in the bible the object of faith is god and his promises Abraham's encounter with God, Genesis 15. He says, I'll give you the sentence, um, that you can't even count. So faith means putting your trust in God and having confidence he will fulfill his promises. Faith is putting your trust in God and having confidence that he will fulfill his promises. God would say to us, it's time for us to use our faith. It's time for us to step out in faith. It's time to put our faith into action. Trust what the Lord says and do it. Step out in faith. Obey what he asks of you. Obey what he asks of you And you'll receive the promise of the obedience. There there is reward for faithful obedience. And we know from the story that what Elijah said was true. The man did not receive. He saw other people. He heard about it. But he didn't receive. Faith moves the hand of God. Second thing I would like for you to write down and remember is this. God uses desperate people. (laughs) Wow, I'll say that again. God uses desperate people. Come on. He uses desperate people. As we go on the story, 2 Kings 7, verse 3 and 4, here's what it says on the screen. You can read it with me. Now, there were four men with leprosy. So here we are to the guys with leprosy. At the entrance of the city gate, they said to each other, why stay here until we die? So there were lepers, so they had been um, isolated because of their contagiousness to the outside into a leper colony. And they're, 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 listen, they're, they're barely getting by when things are good. Now the siege, and why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we'll die. If we stay here, we're definitely gonna die. But, let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. Outside the city gates, there's four guys. They conspire together to come up with a plan to survive. The Bible tells us they it's leprosy. It, it, is a, it is a symbol of, Later, used for, for sin. I'm not saying these guys had leprosy because of a sin. What I'm saying is God uses it as a symbol. It isolates, it destroys, it eats away at you. And they were probably only a few days away from under starvation before they wouldn't have the energy to shuffle down the road to the camp of the Arameans. So they started thinking look, what we're doing now is getting us nowhere. We, we, we can make a run for the city and just break all the laws and beg for forgiveness. But if we get in there, everybody's in the same situation we're in. So that's, that ain't going to work. But maybe, maybe, maybe we do something a little different. Maybe we go down the street and say, hey, hey, hey. And maybe they have mercy on us. Of all three options, only one of them has a possibility of a positive outcome. So they left the leper colony and shuffled down the street. You may find yourself this morning in a rut, maybe in a rut. You keep doing the same things, you keep getting the same results, and it is maddening. You find yourself in a rut because of the continued cycle that you're in. It's lifelessness, it's not life-giving, it's, it's, it's dead, there's no life in it. Dead thoughts, dead actions bring death and lifelessness. If you keep allowing yourself to run the same pattern again and again and again, expecting some kind of different result, you'll be greatly disappointed. So, 2 Kings 5 or 5 through 7 says, Chapter 7, verse 5 to 7 says, They went down the street, had dusted, got up, and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans, the enemy, to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite. And Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled at dusk and abandoned their tents, their horses or donkeys, they left the camp as it was, and ran for their lives. <laughs> Don't you love it? <laughs> Unconventional, not normal. Who saw it happening? No one. But Elijah knew help was on the way. They woke up not knowing what God had already done for them the night before. They didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know, so they went out. They went to bed that night in ignorance. It was their ignorance that kept them in despair. They had had just known. Had they just known that that night something different happened. There'd been a shift, but they all went to bed in utter despair because they didn't know the provision that God had set aside for them. There are people in your neighborhood and around this church. There are people in Centerpoint and Chockville and Pinson. Trustful at Odinville and Clay and Argo, Moody and Leeds, Birmingham, Grayson Valley. There are people who go to bed at night in despair because they do not know what God has already done for them. They don't know of his mercy. They don't, they don't know of his overflowing joy. They don't know about the hope that he provides. They, they don't know about his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. They don't know, so they remain in despair, grabbing at straws of happiness. Life Church was put here 42 years ago to do something about that. <laughs> Our theme is everybody. So we said, look, everybody needs an opportunity to worship. Everybody in the body of Christ. Your pastor challenged you to have a a routine of prayer and study. Everybody gives time, talent, and treasure. Everybody serves. Everybody goes and invites all along the road, in the back roads, so that the house will be full. Now, for those of you who heard this business meeting last week, some of this will be uh, some rehearsed, and some of it will be new information. So we had this campaign, everybody, to, to, to initiate some things, to, to empower missionaries and mission organizations in this house to be missional, To reach the lost. And I I just have a couple couple updates for you that will bring encouragement to you. So far this year, through your giving and going, through missions, benevolence, community, uh, big day, outreaches, we have seen over $102,000 come through this church, go out of this church for the cause of the Great Commission. Come on, somebody. Come on, we're supporting missionaries all over the globe. We're supporting uh, benevolence in downtown Birmingham. We're helping people find housing. We're helping people get food and shelter. And then along the way, something unusual happened. You stay right there till your time. <clears throat> something unusual happened. We had an opportunity to um, up the game when it comes to community... Uh, uh, benevolence and help. And so, um, I just want to say, through the persistence and, um, um, how do you say it, um, non-stop badgering, just kidding. Through the persistence of our sister, Nina Martin Powers, <laughs> said, listen, we have this opportunity. Let's, you know, i just joking. We had this opportunity. The food bank has contacted us and asked us to be a middleman for them. So we're like, all right. And those of you know, I love new ideas, and I quickly respond with a yes every time. (laughs) All right, so you know I just have to go, well, well, wait a minute. Let me think about that. Let me pray about that. And, okay, let me catch up with you. So she says, look, here's what we'll do, and da, 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 da. So let me give you some statistics. So, So we said yes, and some of you have been part of that. The food we give away on, on the big gifts, we purchase some of that and some of that is above and beyond that 102,000. This is different. This is above and beyond that. So we have received uh, 18,426 pounds of meat and dairy. We have received twenty-seven two thousand 2,737 pounds of baked goods, 4,400 pounds of produce, 15,900 pounds of dry goods, chemicals, soaps, disinfectants, clean supplies, lotions, uh, 1,226 pounds of that. So altogether, it's 42,784 pounds. For those of you who didn't major math, that's 21.4 tons. Okay. So what does that mean? So I said, well, wh- what is that? what's that worth? Le- I want to I wanna have fun with this for a moment. So what I'm saying is, That is coming through our hands. That is coming through our hands. And so if you assign $5 a pound to the food, meat and dairy, and $2 a pound to all the other stuff, which is, for those of you who ever have shopped in this year, you know that's a great underestimate because I don't like to throw out huge numbers that aren't realistic. You know that you could almost double that, but we're not. That's $140,000 worth of resources, listen, that's coming through our hands to go to this community, to some of you, to help your neighbors, to help those folks in those apartments down there, in those townhomes, and across your street, and in your complex, and in your neighborhood. So if you add the both of them together, that's a, that's a term for both, the both of them, I don't know what I just said there. The both of them, the 102 and the 140, it's $242,000. That is, and so year-to-date giving for Life Church Birmingham of tithe and offerings is separate than that number. So year-to-date giving is 438 thousand. dollars All right, so why do I say all that? Maybe I put too many numbers up there, but I want to make a point. There are those that will say, okay, yeah, all the church does is want your money. I just want to put that straw man up on a stand and kick that block out from under him because if you look at the 242 and you just do a little math on the 438, you realize that over fi- we give out over 50%. It's over a 50% out this door. You see? Do you see what I'm saying? So what God is doing, listen, he is blessing us with opportunity, with opportunity, with opportunity with opportunity, so every opportunity I try to maximize. So you're giving back to the community. The fact that you would give 438,000 for the year enables us to do the other, because every wise person knows. You don't give away $140,000 worth of food even though it's free for free. Every wise person knows. Someone had to put the tires on the church van. Every wise person knows. Someone had to buy the trailer and pay the insurance and pay for the tag and pay for the walk-in freezer and pay for the cooler and pay for the HVAC and pay for the carpet and pay for the building and pay for the insurance. Every wise person knows that. But in one sense, it was free. In the other sense, you enabled that to happen because of your giving. And I want you to know that and I want you to appreciate that and I want you to know we are currently turning down opportunity that has the potential to double that because you can only do so what you can do so when god sends in the next level of leaders we potentially can amp that up right so here's the deal the church set out at the beginning of the year with a budget and because of inflation um it is it is it has decimated the budget and some of you know that from your home budget and you see those numbers for groceries and you laugh and you go <laughs> Five bucks a pound for ground beef. He ain't been shopping in a while. <laughs> you know that. And so I gave an update. So here's the update of the church. That 438 um, um, is, is good and it's actually an increase from this time last year by uh, $13,000 and some change. But, but inflation has caused us to go into a deficit. Some things are beyond our control, right? Increase in... Yada, 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 yada. So we find ourselves in a $35,000 deficit right now. In addition to that, about three weeks ago, I got a phone call. Hey, Pastor Tim, this is, um, this is so-and-so from our service who handles our heating and air conditioning. I just have some bad news for you. Two of your rooftop units are condemned. You got a hole in the gas chambers, and we had to shut them down, and they're dangerous. I'm like, oh, that's. I appreciate you telling me that. Um... How many of you guys have around the shop you can donate to us? He said, "Well, th- funny you should ask, none." Um, but I can, if you want to repair mine, can get you the parts in six months. You just won't have heat all winter. I'm like, I don't think that's a good option. Um, he said, "The other ones we uh, we can probably find one in a couple of weeks. Uh, there's not a whole lot of them, but yada yada yada." And so, long story short, um, a couple of Fridays ago, we put two new units on the rooftops here. Um, and that was $44,000, so we didn't have the money for that, so thank God we had a line of credit, um, and I'm just telling you, as a church, and if you're new, you're just kind of getting a celebration and an update, because I have a challenge for you, so um, we have a line of credit, line of credit is prime plus one, and that comes out to 9.5%, and how many know that's no fun, right? The, the key to this deal is being on the other side of that interest rate. That's where you want to be. You want to be on the receiving side of that interest rate because the borrower is subject to the lender, is slave to the lender. So you, what you want to do is you want to you be on the other side of that number. That's, that's where you want to be. But because of the deficit, we couldn't pay for it. So we find ourselves in a situation. Now, I begin to pray. So I'm, I, and I do my best for 15 years. To run a balanced budget, the best we can. We got great people, a great leadership team, great staff, great workers, great leaders, great people. But to be transparent with you, so 44 plus 35 is 78, right? Seven—it a chunk of money. So we find ourselves in a predicament. So there's the famine. Let me tell you some other good news. The last four months at Life Church Birmingham have produced more fruit than we probably had the previous two and a half years. I'm thankful for that. This year, we have seen over 40 people through the ministries on this ground say yes to Jesus. Come on, come on. It's 19 or 20 people that have been baptized. Last week, it was 13 or 14 people that were baptized. And so, um, we have grown um, statistically in attendance, We've grown in church membership. Um, enough food has passed through our hands. When you add the big gifts and this, and I, and I cut some out for a waste, and I'm, it, it's, it's over 40,000 meals to this community. You take the poundage and you, 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 multipl- you divide it by 1.2 pounds. And I feel like the Lord has given me some direction. Oh, by the way, Pastor John's on vacation. I had to interrupt his vacation. I said, sorry, can you send me? So through the school clubs at Pastor John, the opportunities open up uh, through the school clubs at the middle schools and one high school, he said, conservatively, we have seen 50 students make decisions for Christ. You know, before school starts, these Bible clubs. So I'm thinking, that's pretty awesome. Now, some of them, he sends back to their home church. Some of them are floating. They don't have any church, and we're trying to draw them in, right? Some of them, we've been able to. So the Lord says, I, so I prayed and fasted, because I said, this is no bueno. It's no good. I, 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 just, some of y'all do better with this stuff than I do, but I carry it sometimes here. So I said, God, what do we do? And I started praying and fasting. And I felt the Lord gave me four basic things. Number one is this. Cut back where you can. How many think that's wise Stewardship. If you don't got money to go out to eat, you don't go out to eat. (laughs) If you don't got money for a movie, you don't go to a movie. Novel concept. Cut back where you can. Number two, do not back down your vision to reach people. Do not back down your passion to reach people. So we've seen fruit. We've seen God do things. The third thing is this. Trust me for provision. (laughs) Trust me for Provision. The fourth thing is this, step out in faith. Step out in faith. So I said, all right, God, what do we do? And the best I know how to hear from the Lord, here's what he's asked me to do. Beginning today, an initiative, a campaign called Next Generation, a Next Generation campaign (coughs) with the goal to to raise $100,000 to pay off those units. We don't pay any interest to fund the budget so we can balance and keep moving forward and give us a little bit of momentum moving to 2024 so we can continue to reach people. What I'm telling you, I'm, I, I've struggled with how the best way to do this, so I figured a Sunday morning, and you'll have to decide if I'm right or not. But this is what is on my heart, and that, that scares me. <laughs> and, so, and so as I step out in faith, He says, cast a vision to raise an additional $100,000, this above tithe and offering. You can't move your tithe over here, and this ain't gonna work. It won't work. Raise, cast a vision for that. Pay off the systems. You don't have to pay interest. Strengthen the church financially, so we're not operating a deficit. Gives us resources to move it forward. So, you know, complaining and lack of faith is like Leaning against a shovel and asking God for a hole. Oh, the soup for this side. <laughs> Lack of faith is like leaning against a shovel and asking God for a hole. He says, pick up the shovel. <laughs> I put a shovel in your hands. <laughs> God, I just really need a hole right now. I need a, God, you know my need. Lord, you know how bad I need a hole because i got to plant this tree. You know, God, we need oranges in a few years. If we plant this orange tree and we move south 300 miles, we'll get oranges. <laughs> we need this tree. God, please provide us a hole. Let's have a prayer and fasting meeting for God to give us a hole. Everyone it's tired. You get tired when you're praying fast. So get your shovel and lean against it so you don't pass out from famine because you're fasting and praying so much. Everyone get their shovel and lean against it because we don't want nobody falling out and hurting themselves at a prayer meeting. God, would you give us a hole? Lord God, give us a hole. Oh God, I'm so hungry. I ate three days. Give us a hole. God says, Hello? Use the shovel. Use the shovel. God always asks us to use what's in our hand. So I said to the heating and air guys, I said, hey guys, what do you do with the old units? They said, we haul them off for you. I said, what do you do with them after that? He said, we cut them apart and scrap them and sell them for scrap. I said, can we have them? He said, okay, you can have them. So I called some fellas and they showed up with their sawzalls and their grinders and they cut them up. And, and so they, they brought a seed offering to the first, for our $100,000 campaign of $605.06. Come on. Come on. It's a seed. Because they said, look, I ain't going to lean against a shovel and pray for God. to take a hole. I'm going like, to use the shovel. I'm going to use what's in my hand. So they, they were, I just, I'm just so thankful. So we scanned this through. It's in the books. And I'm going to keep it because this is a seed. It's a seed. All right. This thing has fallen down three or four times. So, so I, I pulled this thing out. Some of you know what this is and some of you don't. So a few years ago we got a, I got a phone call from um, our missions director for our for our for Alabama. He says, "Hey Tim, how much did Life church give to missions last year?" I said, "David, I don't know. I'm driving down the road. I'm about to go to Chick-fil-A. I don't know how much we gave to missions." He said, "You don't know how much your own church gave to missions?" I said, "I don't know the final number. We haven't received it yet. We haven't got it yet. I don't know." He said, "Tim, you don't have any idea." I said, "David, what? I don't know what you're talking about." He said, "How about 1.145 million dollars?" I said, oh, David, that's funny. That's so funny. That's so funny. Apparently, there's a clerical error somewhere. He says, I thought the same thing. I said, thanks for that vote of confidence, David. So I called headquarters of Springfield, Missouri. Now, listen to me. He said, Tim, the money is in the bank. I said, what are you talking about? He said, Tim, someone Anonymously donated over a million dollars to world missions, and Life Church Birmingham has been asked to receive the credit for it. So I've got this plaque as a reminder. I keep it in my office, and once in a while, I need to pull it out and look at it. <laughs> so it says, First place in your face. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. By the way, no, Assuming God Church in Alabama has even come close to a million dollars. So this was so fun. I'm going to meet. Boy, my phone started ringing. I get all kinds of letters. I got invited to everything under the sun, man. Everybody wanted to meet me. And, know. and so I get, they're like, Tim, what, what did you, what in the world? I always say, fellas, what you need is more vision and faith. That's what you need. I said, the truth is, man, I don't have any idea where it came from. I don't know, I checked with two or three people that might have access to large sums of money. They laughed at me, and said it wasn't me, I wish it was. I said, I don't know, it was anonymous. Here's why I keep it. He owns a cattle on 1,000 hillsides. He has enough resources in his hands. And so God has asked me to challenge everyone I can with the idea that we'd raise $100,000. So you know what? Next year, we can feed 60,000 meals or 70,000 meals. We can see another 90 people get saved. We can, we can continue. And so you may have seen me. Another thing, God says, I want you to walk the property and pray. Worship team, come. I want you to walk the property and pray. So Friday, I oh, always said, Tim, by the way, I want you to take, and I still don't understand this yet, take the check and take the plaque. And I want you to hold it over your head and walk the perimeter of the property and pray. And I'm like, okay. So I'm going down Choffa Road, and I'm like, hi, ah, thank you, Jesus. I'm not crazy. Hey, thank you, Lord. And I, can I tell you, it, I, I just, it felt a little bit, especially looking at those kind folks who come pick their children up at the daycare. I want to stop everyone and say, I've been tested, and everything's okay. I just... Need you to know that I'm not any kind of list or anything that I'm aware of. I just and I, and so the Lord says, I want you to believe with me for the resources to do what I called you to do and share with the church. So yesterday was day two, and I walked the property and prayed. And yesterday, I really wasn't embarrassed. <laughs> I wonder what went through the Israelites' mind when they said, when God says, Joshua, I got your first city in the promised land to set aside for you. So what I want you to do is get all your military guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All these strong guys. Get your worship team together. Oh, yeah. Mighty is the Lord. And I want you to shut your mouth and walk around the city. All right. And I want you to do that every day. Okay. I wonder what they felt like. Sometimes God asks you to do something and it doesn't appear in the natural to make sense. You don't, you don't have to be a weirdo to follow Jesus. Listen, but you have to be at least willing for people to think you are. You don't have to be a weirdo to follow Jesus, but you have to be at least willing for people to think you are, because if you are always wanting to guard your reputation, always concerned about what people, always concerned about what other people think first, you will miss the opportunity that God has for you. So you don't have to be a weirdo, but you gotta at least be willing for people to go, what kind of life do you live submitting to a thing you can't see, and raising your children that way, and Oh, my goodness, come over here. We don't have to worry about all that stuff and dine with us and drink with us and dance with us. It's good. You have to at least be willing to say, I don't care what the world thinks. I don't care what the world thinks. And you step out in obedience the best you know how. You don't do this silly thing and ask for a hole. When God gives you a shovel, you dig. And then the part that you can't supply, like germinating a seed, like making it rain, like, like letting it hit sunlight and photosynthesis taking place. Last time a check. none of us have control over any of that. And you let God handle what God does and you do what you do and together you will see the supernatural take place. Would you stand to your feet all over the place? God will accomplish his word. He will accomplish his word. He will accomplish his word. He will accomplish his word. God will accomplish his word. He will accomplish his word. He will, word. He will do it. He will do it. He told Peter in Matthew 16, I tell you, are Peter, on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you know that God has given you kingdom authority? Kingdom authority. You are not subject to the things of this world. You are not subject to the dark spirits of this world. You are not subject to that stuff. You have authority over that stuff. You have authority over that stuff. And he's asked his people to accomplish his kingdom work. He said, "Look, what if you bind on earth we bound in heaven? What if you look, Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. I'm bleeding for $100,000, but can I tell you this? The money's never about the money. It's, it's like never about the money. It's always about something else. It's always, it's about something else. It's about more victorious living. it's, it's about some, every act of obedience, it's always about something else. Every step of faith, there's a million things we don't know that God has in store. Those guys would have sat at that camp and complained, they would have died, and they would have never known... The provision that God had for them, listen, and the rest of the city. Their obedience unlocked the doorway for themselves, their family, and the entire kingdom authority. Don't you see, friend? He's given you kingdom authority. Would you bow your heads, friend? Lift your hands all over the place. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. God, we stand on the edge what on the edge of what's next. We stand on the edge, God. But we stand on the edge. And God, I'm asking you to help us raise up servants of the living God. Who will step out in faith. Maybe you're here. And God is challenging your heart this morning. To make a step of faith. It may be related to what I talked about this morning. It may be related to something totally different. But God is saying to you. Step out in faith. Quit leaning against the shovel and asking for a hole. Move out in faith. God says to you. Son. Trust me. Daughter, trust me. There are people in the room right now. God is, God is nudging you. God is nudging you. He's nudging you. He's willing for you to be uncomfortable. He's willing for you to, 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 to be uncomfortable to accomplish his purpose. God is nudging you. you say, I, I, can't, I, I can't stay here anymore. I can't, I can't sit here and wonder if I've got to move out. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a step of faith. I'm going to go into that camp and see what God has done. I'm going to walk down that road. God is saying to us, How many are here today, and you say, God's saying, take a step of faith, son. Take a step of faith. I'm leading you into new territory. God's saying to you, I'm leading you into new territory. So if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, what that means for you first, surrender. If you're here today, and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, and you want to surrender your life to Christ, Just on the count of three, just wave at me. Say, Tim, include me. I I need to surrender. I walked in the door not serving him, but I need to surrender to the Lord. I need to surrender to the Lord. If that's you on the count of three, say, Tim, today is my day of surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. On the count of three, just wave at me. One, two, three. Anyone all over the room? Yes, surrender. Total surrender. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Today's a day of surrender. It's a day of stepping out in faith. We're going to sing this worship song. And you may want to come by and just symbolically um, hold either this check, this shovel, or this plaque in your hand and believe God. Believe God for faith to step out. There's nothing magical about these. They are only symbols of what God can do. There's nothing supernatural about this piece of paper, this wooden plaque, or this shovel. They're just symbols as a reminder to you. How many would say, God, God, has, God, God is nudging me to step out in faith in an area, area of my life. Maybe it's an area of boldness. Maybe it's an area of generosity. Maybe an area of love. Maybe you're here today. And you say, God, what, God, I, I, God has put something on my heart in the area of giving. Would you step out in faith whatever God has for you? Would you step out in faith whatever God has for you? We want to thank you for listening to the message today. We would love for you to stop by and see us. Our services start at 10 a.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights with various small groups throughout the week. Here at Life Church, we hope you have a great week.